dumbass, Lloyd. <laughs> Leave it to me to do that kind of thing. Um, you were distracted by the pipes. That's what it was. I am. I'm, I'm swooning from your crooning. Uh, Everybody loves somebody sometime. Welcome to WMRK Radio Free Markdown. I'm your host, The Game Master. Our website is explorersunlimited.com where you can subscribe, donate, find other episodes, comment on this podcast, and find links and other information related to this episode. Our email address is radiofreemerktown at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, I'm no Dean Martin, but I get by. So if you guys would like to introduce yourselves. All right. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm also known as Uncle Servo, as uh, Lloyd kind of likes to refer to me as. I currently play Rufus in the Templar and Chef Icky in the Galactic Adventures. I'm uh, Tyree. I, I don't like to actually give out my real name, so that's all you're going to get. Um, sometimes I go by uh, Richard Spud, also known as Dictator. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, um, I play uh, Reaper in the Roughnecks, who I've just retired. Uh, um, Beckett over in the um, Paragon Acquisition Services, and Jelena over in uh, HEG Galactic. I didn't do this myself last time. I'm, of course, the Game Master. I play Jezebel in Explorers Incorporated, and that's my only player character because I GM for three groups at present. So Three groups? Three groups. Too much on the plate. To do more than one character. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, the general flow of this podcast is going to be introductions, followed by follow-up. So, and then we're going to pr- proceed into a player spotlight where you can tell the audience about yourselves, how you join you, what role you play, etc., in a little bit more detail than you've already provided. Likewise, uh, we'll go into a character spotlight and as to, the, as to those characters. And any you might have had in the past, and uh, I know, Servo, you've had some in the past, and uh, I believe Tyree's had a couple, so that should be interesting. And I can, might even share a couple myself. Well then, talk about Heroes for Hire. They are the group spotlight for today. Then we'll get to those, those listener questions. I guess uh, it's my turn to answer some questions. Gentlemen, what have you? I had a question from last time about the... Uh, about who were the very first uh, characters to be on EU, and uh, well, Ronith chimed in and was able to answer that. So that took that took the number one question that I had from last time. I will ask you how how's the uh, how's the first episode been received? You know, what kind of feedback have you gotten on that? Well, there was a there was a good thread of discussion. That was a you know that made me feel good about it. Really taking a look at at the number of, uh, of views on it, I, it's hard for me to track downloads. Perhaps Tyree can help us out with that in the future. I did see that there was more views than people who play on site, so that's good. I'm a, I appreciate that, and it's entirely possible that a good number of those are lurkers because we do have those. This is often how we get new new players. People who lurk for six months to sometimes even over a year before they get up the gumption and understand the, the, the whole venue uh, before they leap into playing. All right, so I guess my question is, is how did you get saddled with the sad news of being a GM? I mean, I know I know you've you had to take on at least one because, you know, it's your site. But then, of course, you know, I know you've moved on from GMs from one group to another, and you just keep on doing so. 
Right, so this is strictly in reference to play-by-post? Yes. Okay. Um, well, yeah, like I, like uh, Ronith might have indicated, um, I started off the site uh, at my wife's uh, suggestion, and I started running the group because, you know, everyone needs the narrator and the game master, right? So I did that for too very long, uh, spurred on maybe by a lack of venues and or I can like to think my ability to write well. I attracted more players, and so I jammed a second group. And it wasn't very long before there were enough players that I couldn't jam them all. And so, if I remember correctly, Dark Lord slash Ronith, uh, Brian was the first uh, guy to get saddled with the with the delegation of duty. There, <laughs> he got he got that uh, that, and um, this is just kind of how the process works, you know, and. Uh, when there's enough demand, the supply has to meet it. Otherwise, you know, you end up with a shortage, and this is something we face intermittently on EU, that GM shortage, because it's just a lot more difficult to GM than it is to play. I was going to ask this question later on in the show, but you kind of opened the door for it. How do you see uh, EU membership, the, the way that it's trending and the numbers that it has now? Are you... Are you, are you happy with the direction it's going? Uh, what would be your your ideal number for for an ultimate population? There is no ideal. I will deal with reality as I take it and be happy with that. <laughs> if you want to really talk an ideal, uh, a $1 a month subscription and a 1,000 players. So, you know, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, but I, I don't foresee that in the near or, or long term. So far as uh, membership trends and uh, past trends, uh, you know, the the site grew from just a handful, the first group, Heroes for Hire. The site grew from that to, I don't know, around 10 groups over a course of about six years. Yeah, so it was slow but increasingly fast-paced growth. And, and then it just kind of, it's plateaued for the last three years with very slow uh, growth. After that, so we had the, the I think the turning point was around um, 2013 when I kind of started putting the hammer down on on quality a little bit more than previous, and it really turned when I implemented the EP system because that curtailed the prevalence of flakes, and you know it made people pay for that which they wanted, and so once I introduced it in a, an economy where people had to pay for the benefits they wanted to receive. Everything got a little, it, you know, it's actually been a little bit more active regarding new players. New players' players, not new characters, but new players. But you don't see as many new characters, which lightens my load. And, you know, I mean, that, that is as it should be. You know, players uh, get what they pay for. Through EP. Through EP. Through EP. Which is not monetized, Kevin, if you're listening. Uh, so... Needn't worry, I am not uh, violating your online uh, code of conduct. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's it's been slow and steady. Um, I think we're probably at about a hundred players, maybe give or take ten or so at present. And I think we plateaued sometime previous, maybe three or four years ago, at about 120. But it was kind of hard to track. But I think we've averaged about 80 to 90. Is this factoring in the the infamous quote unquote multiple man incident? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Tyree. That's all I have to say regarding that one. <laughs> well, 
you know, it's one of those things that it, it, it's kind of tough to figure out. I know, I know we still, it feels like we still have a few of them, um, but it's kind of hard to gauge when you have uh, multiple people from the same household sharing the same internet. Um, and then, of course, multiple locations. Yeah, I could see how that would uh, complicate matters a bit. I'm just thankful for your IT support in that regard. For me, being in the IT role, I mean, I just, and this goes to, to how, how we uh, all started. You know, I, I took it on the role when I went, man, we're using PHP BB 2.0 something, and it's not doing what I wanted to do. Lloyd, give me, let me just go in there and, and, and make it update it. And then, like, damn, there's no dice roller. There was one on 2.0. Should we roll back? No. Let's keep on going. Finally, I found a dice roller. Yes. Yeah, didn't you have to bribe that guy to finish his project on that? No, no, I didn't have to bribe him. I, I, it was, uh, I'd actually been talking with a couple of uh, um, uh, engineers, people I know from, from various work endeavors, and basically said, I'll pay you money to write me a die roller for this, for this program. And I'll actually still do that for the 3.1 version if uh, if uh, we ever go to, go to that route or somebody actually makes one. I'll be gladly to pay, you know, money, handsome money to for our die roller for 3.1 so I can in- upgrade our site to 3.1 instead of the 3.0 uh, version we currently have. That die roller has been a very, very useful addition just from my perspective as a player. I mean, thank you for for putting that in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really I really liked it. Um, I could not stand using Invisible Castle, and as a GM, I just didn't want to go around and checking in on people and seeing what they actually had and, and if they actually rolled correctly. Or I, I, I'd rather trust the honor system, and this just kind of made that honor system so much better. You don't have to deal with it, and then, of course, as a GM, you can use it or not, um, and if you do use it, you can even use it in a, a private you know forum which I have created for myself, and if anybody, any other GM said, hey, I really want one, i create one for them too. Yeah, that die roller was a, that was a monumental leap forward uh, for EU because we were previously just on an honor system, and it actually worked out fairly well. Uh, I just had to be more draconian when it came to character generation and really had to dig into everything. Now it's a lot easier. I can focus on organization and the format, and I can focus more on the site as a whole instead of spending so much time improving characters that unified with the uh, EP system just well it, it's really taken down the time to do that a great deal and and like a, as a player it's nice because you don't have to there's no concerns if you get that nat 20 you know you don't go the ah oh, man is the gym gonna buy it you know it's awesome it's hands down one of the best things and makes us competitive with other th- other sites like RPOL so I appreciate that one greatly. Well, there's also the downside in making a post and then uh, including a die roll for a prowl roll and then posting the post and come back and looking at it and you rolled absolute 100. And like, <laughs> yes, tumbling into half a dozen garbage cans with all the grace and fluid beauty as the anvil that falls on the coyote. Yeah, I love that, especially as a GM. <laughs> Not as much when I'm playing Jezebel. But it's fantastic. This is why I always tell people, post your intentions. Because you don't know what's going to happen until you hit that submit button and you see the results. And you don't even get to describe the results. You just get to go, oh, what's the GM going to do to me? (laughs) It's a crit (laughs) fail. 
So yeah, it, but it's it's great fun with that in that regard. But it is a little nerve wracking when you got that uh, that absolutely critical skill that you have to perform, and you just know if you don't do it well, oh dear lord. <laughs> and well, that, I mean, that, that, that's the reason why I, I convinced you to use that EP retroactive uh, success. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's five EP. It's a it's a charge, but at least you can do it. <laughs> yeah, that I mean. That is, Raiden has in uh, the Galactic game has been using that pretty consistently because he's kind of in a vital role in that adventure. But uh, yeah, it, that's one of those. I wonder how often that gets played in other in other games with other groups. Curious, but yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it's played very much because I, you would see it in the uh, in the list. I mean, they literally have to post it and say, "I'm spending my EP." Yeah, that's right in the marketplace. That's true. I don't really see it too often. It's mostly Raiden, which tells you a lot about the Galactic game. Uh, <laughs> you better succeed or you might die. No so, pressure, but if you failed this piloting role, you're all dead. Yeah, potentially right. <laughs> do we have, do we have uh, other questions, Mr. Servo? <laughs> that's really all. The, uh, I have some specific questions later on, but uh, that's kind of the, the general questions that I had. For you. Okay. Uh, how, about, how about yourself, Tyree? I actually have a quite a bit of a uh, bit of questions, uh, mainly dealing with a, as, as a, you as a GM, because you're my GM for a Galactic, and therefore, you know, I want to want to pick your brain even more. Right. So, so one of them is, as a GM, do you see any grand scope for your teams? And specifically, I'm looking for HUG Galactic as the as a reason of where is the, where are we going with this? Ah, right. <laughs> so. Um, Okay, so this comes back to GM philosophy then, really. And I have always been of the mind that the beautiful thing, and this goes all the way back to when I was a kid reading Choose Your Own Adventure books, the thing that I've always kept in mind is the player establishes the direction of the storyline in the small and in the large. Now, as a GM, you have to, you have to create the narrative scope, and you have to you know, control all the variables that are out there in, in the universe, of the game. So you're going to nudge things. So that's a given. But the actual direction is player controlled. So when it comes to the Galactic game, we have a a race of uh, humanoid aliens uh, whose world gets blown up. And, you know, they're out there uh, trying to survive. And they have a very massive hostile empire, a la Star Wars in, in many respects, that's looking to snuff them out, finish the job. Because they're a potential threat due to their nature. You sure uh, we're not talking about Battlestar Galactica? And there's an element of that. Okay. And that's the grittiness aspect <laughs> of the game. And the thematic vibe, if you will, is along the lines of uh, Galactica Reimagined. But it has that, uh, you know, you have the evil empire, which is the Atorian Empire. I mean, they're literally just an evil empire. They're very Star Wars-ish in that regard. So th- there's a bit of a cross cross ip blend going on there with a healthy dose of superheroism and and hard science because i try to bring that in as much as i can without it being arthur c clark level physicist nerdy so you know it's a nice blend uh but when it comes to the direction of things up to this point uh, where the the original are facing an an internal coup which kind of sounds similar to a certain series we've all watched and enjoyed there's uh you know after the coup there's going to be a bit more self-direction in the grand scheme of things for the group because they've survived a 
number of play-by-post years of work, and so they're on day 41, and I figure by day 45 or so, they're going to have a little bit more self-direction, and it provided, you know, they survive the current cluster frack that they just got themselves into. Once again, another fine example of how players always make things different, read difficult, uh, for the GM, because I entirely did not anticipate them wanting to go fight a large group in collaboration with two NPC groups. So there is like, I don't know, 30 actors on this stage. And ah, as a GM in play by post, ah, if this was tabletop, I would be going, ah, very large scale battles are not conducive to uh, smooth, quick and easy role playing. So that's the beauty of a, of of a role playing game though. You know, you have a different uh, talents and, uh, skills being brought to bear at different times so uh like neal has been has felt very uh neal's player has felt very conflicted about his actual character but he's been kind of vital in some manner from time to time and at other times he's like uh i'm just like this guy who's scared of his own shadow and kind of inept and (laughs) i'm an engineer among a bunch of soldiers what the hell and then he's the guy who's patching them up mid-stride so that they can actually keep fighting because otherwise they'd all bite the bullet so he's almost got a healer girlfriend kind of uh, feel to his character which is interesting at the same time it's it's a really well-played character but that's getting very micro okay i'm gonna jump back in here because again you opened the door for a question i was going to do later um talking about gming and when you have a, a group that's that's been around as long as Heroes for Hire or even H2 Galactic. What's been the main challenge in keeping a group going that long? There's a couple different factors, really. Keeping the players interested is the number one factor. So the best way you can do that, that I have found over the years, is new situations, different kind of adversaries and challenges. Uh, That's really key, in my opinion. Heroes for Hire is experiencing that in in spades right now. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's that's the crux of it. But putting them into different kind of situations, it, that's pretty key. Like for the Galactic game, you know, they've they've fought some vil- some bad guys from, you know, space pirates, hostile Atorians, you know, on their tail, to having to deal with, shall we say, black market entrepreneurs and the acquisition of ships for the for the fleet. And so there, there's a there's been a, a good variety of uh, different kinds of experiences. Likewise, when you're designing an adventure, you have to think about the goal. You know, there's only so many times you can go to location X, defeat bad guys, and come back. That just gets to be old hat after a while. And people don't want that. People want a variety. So the variety is, is the key for me. And, uh, and su- surprising the players is really good for that. So at one point, Heroes for Hire, for example, and I think their second to last adventure, ended up in Norway or Finland or something like that. They were sent by Odin directly to go uh, cleanse the birthplace of the Norse people. And so I actually did research on this to figure out roughly where this is. And kind of, uh, I think if I remember correctly, it was a certain area of Finland, so I Took a look at the Google map, threw a dart, boom, there it is. Gave them the location, <laughs> drew up the maps, and then as the as it was developing, it turned into a little bit of a dungeon crawl, almost, because they had like a cave system. So I was thinking 13th Warrior in my head, right? Great movie, but demons, cool. And then I realized what they need is a twist, because they're going to be fighting demons and demons and demons and demons. And they lost like three characters in that. I decided at the end, it wouldn't be a demon, but a corrupt dragon. It was actually kind of working her own angle in Ooh. during the Minion War. Ooh. 
she escaped, so that will be a recurring villain somewhere in the future. So, you know, throwing them the curveball every now and then. And I believe that was the first time on EU that an adult dragon was faced by a player group. You know, that's no mean feat. Uh, Just role-playing one. It's kind of difficult as a GM because, you know, you got to think smart and sinister, conniving. And yet, you know, when the crap goes down, it's all about brute force and magic and what have you. So that, that would be that would be the summary of my answers. Uh, you know, keep it interesting, variety in the game, and uh, the rest kind of solves itself. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of when I actually GM Heroes for Hire for a little bit, and I threw them for a loop as well. They were, uh, um, I ended up having to take over a... A mission as a GM. I don't exactly recall why or how, but they were going after some uh, punk kids for, for this mission. And so I convinced them that they were all non-armor people and they should, and, and the person that's asking them for help, he's, her brother's in there and, and he's been brainwashed by this like gang of non-armored people. And so don't hurt him. And, you know, these people are, are innocents. They just, this guy has is charismatic. Well, it actually turned out to be vampires in there. And, and they, they bought in, that? They bought that, and they went in with no MD-leveled weapons. It was all soft weapons. Wah, 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 wah. Well, you know, the, the kicker is, you know, you had an undead slayer. You had a cyber knight in the group. They, they actually had the capability of taking on these guys. But on top of that, it also happened to be right at the time when... Uh, Kevin decided to uh, push out the new vampire source book. So I'm like, okay, let me take a look at that really quickly. And uh, I, I ran this scenario and trying to run it in a, in a combative way. And you're like, well, they just realized, oh my God, there's vampires. <laughs> I had one guy in there who started a character and he, he flaked off almost immediately after. But, he, you know, his background, I was pulling from his background and all this stuff great stuff that he had written in his background. I was using it on him, and he wasn't playing it up. Yeah, I found uh, that keeping an entire thread in my uh, own GM form just for character background and notes and tie-ins and potentially useful ideas for future adventures is always a great uh, great idea. And I've put in stuff in, in your uh, adventure notes and about what the Heroes for Hire did, to, did in Murktown. And I went, this stuff is gold. They're going to have to deal with this later. They, they made a deal with some guy for an unspecified amount of money to rescue one of their own to transform him from stone to flesh again. That's going to bite him in the ass. <laughs> uh, th- these are one of those things that is uh, r- really useful about having uh, posted notes. If you have more than one GM... Uh, potentially in a group's history, this is something that people can reference back on. And this is one of the reasons why I'm very insistent about, hey, make sure your notes are up to date. Plus, you know, if you have to, say you get sick or something, you got to bake out for a while, hey, that's okay, just so long as you're not leaving somebody holding the bag with no idea what's going on. I will just, I'll say, yes, I, I agree with you guys uh, from, from the times that I've GM'd, uh, that yes, it's great to, to farm the backgrounds of the various players for, for snippets uh, of plot material. But also from a player standpoint, it feels good when a GM does that and you recognize something from your background that's been thrown out in there because that makes like, hey, I wrote that. The GM liked that. That's cool. That's uh, one other part of, of my, my philosophy of keeping them interested is make it relevant. So, like, I mentioned Odin, you know, directed Heroes for Hire to do something. 
Well, that's because Ronith was a like a half Asgardian elf and half normal elf due to this. Our initial, when I first started the side, and he's a really old character, I let him do this kind of half-breed thing, and I was like, yeah, you know, you're not supposed to do that. So I was like, okay, well, we're unifying you, man. And <laughs> so... You're going. Uh, you're you're getting... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're Asgardian? Okay, fine. That means you're beholden to the whims of Odin. And guess who plays Odin? So, yeah, you got a job. So this entire adventure was strictly for him. And everyone else was kind of along for the ride. They pretty much had a good time with it because it was full of ups and downs. And they lost a behemoth explorer in Finland or Norway or wherever that was. You know, all kinds of ups and downs there. But ultimately, he got crucified to Yggdrasil, became a full-ass guardian elf, and survived I wondered. I wondered what happened. Because when when I had a character in Heroes for Hire, Ronith was just regular run of the mill Plano Ronith. And then I, I'm I'm looking at the storyline. I'm looking at the characters now, and all of a sudden he's like Super Ronith. And I'm just thinking, there's no living with him now, <laughs> right? And this is something you know he's not a, he's not unique in this regard. Present adventure thereon is tailored to Barracuda's history. He doesn't really know it yet. The ultimate bad guy is actually a guy from his past, from his I'm original I'm thinking he's going to know that very soon well, once it, this podcast gets released. Yeah, if he listens in. And there will be another tie-in, too, but he won't <laughs> see that coming. And they're definitely not seeing it coming at the present because they're just facing a, basically a sea monster. Uh, a pretty cool one, but and one I've never seen before. Yeah, but. Yeah, I, I, I just finished wrapping up uh, reading that storyline until, you know, when we started here. Make it relevant. Get it down. Get it personal with them. And that is, you know, like you said, I mean, it, it has a lot of draw for the for the player. As long as it's the story itself is still interesting, it gets everyone else along, too. Well, I think it's time we talk about us. Okay. <laughs> I, I just want to talk about Eric. All right. And for the player spotlight, uh, we're going to we're going to talk next about us. Uh, Eric and his characters, his how he joined you, what role he what roles he's played, and uh, then we're going to move on to Tyree and find out about him as well. So, Eric, why don't you start us off with uh, a little more about who you're playing at present, and then tell us about who you've played previously, if you can remember all of those roles. <laughs> well, um, actually, I found out about EU. I've been playing. Riffs really since about 1990. I mean, when it came out, because uh, I was I was at uh, at Auburn and we had a gaming group that met once a week, and we've been playing like Heroes Unlimited and Robotech, and was really enjoying that. And one guy just came in and says, "Hey, look, I've got this new game. It's called Riffs. It's kind of like everything scrambled together in one thing." So we start playing that. But after I after I graduated and I moved back here, the local groups were hard to find. So I was trying to to go by you know, play by email a couple of games or or go through Yahoo groups trying to trying to do games like that and I think I heard about EU on the Megaverse forums DGM it may have been you that actually said it I'm gonna be honest it was it it was hard for me when I first visited EU it took a while for me to get my head wrapped around the whole concept because I mean it wasn't like it, it, you know each group was its own group and it well, I it took me so long to figure it out, I can't even describe it now. But, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably a member of it, so you know what it is anyway. But uh, once I got the hang of it, once I got it, quote-unquote got it, it was a great idea, I thought. And I created um, my first character, which was Al, Alatolotl. 
the the Aztec god that was kicked out of the pantheon and uh, roamed the earth for 1,800 years, being a freelance do-gooder, and just having like a tech obsession, which I thought was funny, given a Aztec god. Right now, oh, I also played, and this is relevant to the Heroes for Hire. I did have a Heroes for Hire character at one point. Uh, his name was Rampart. That was his code name. He was... Uh, he created energy shields, force fields, force constructs, and he was like a member of the SLJ West, kind of like the West Coast Avengers in the H- HU2 universe. He wound up for a brief period with the uh, Heroes for Hire. He was one of my favorite, more favorite characters that didn't get much of a run. Uh, right now, though, I'm playing uh, two characters. Uh, that uh, is Rufus who is a Kankaran uh, Leyline Walker. He is currently in the Templar. I just think the uh, he's originally supposed to be a Wolfen, unfortunately. A, another member of the group has a, an insanity where he you know, basically becomes a mass murderer anytime he's around Wolfen. So I just <laughs> cut the, the Wolfen off in half. <laughs> and this was a lesson to me. Always, If you're going to be in a group, always make sure to check the insanities. To make sure you're not going to trip all over one of them when you come in. Basically changed it from a wolf into a canker, and I think that actually worked out better because I'm having a lot more fun with him because it's not something you expect. The other character also has a little element of something you might not expect. He's uh, Chef Icky over in Galactic Adventures in the Phase World. He is a, he's a nine foot tall, eight hundred pound space minotaur warlock marine. So he figures like he is the the ultimate ass kicker here. Now put this. Nine foot, eight hundred pound Minotaur in a kitchen and make him bake a souffle. That's a proverbial bull in a china shop. <laughs> yes, and this is where he's in his element. He's kind of like, well, first what you got to do is you got to put the zero G setting on the stove when you put in the souffle because you don't want to bake a souffle for anything less than microgravity, right? So that's what you do. And you make sure you put it th- that sort of thing. And it's just like, you know, other people are out drinking, carousing. He's in there baking cookies. And that to me has just been, it, it's, it's the hook that just kind of makes him interesting. Right. So of the two characters, I've had him the longest. I'm probably going to stick with him as long as possible. Very colorful character. Yeah. I, I love that. I love having that hook in a character. And yeah, I've noticed Chef Icky has been, he's been on site for. Quite a long time. It's, mm-hmm. it's been, what, over five years, right? Yeah, I think that he came through. Well, I think he was, I think I put him in in 09 or 2010, maybe. Yeah. So, yes, it's been it's been at least five years. Yeah, that is a that is a good long run. Although, if I remember correctly, you had a nice long run with Al as well. Al, Al I would probably still be playing Al, but I got concerned about... Um, about uh, group balance, and I said, well, maybe it's time to retire him. So he became like an NPC liaison to the group from uh, from the Warrior Shrine. Yep, that's that's a that's a good way to retire thing, retire characters, and especially now when uh, where we actually have a character retirement system that is being used for the second oldest character on site. Uh, as soon as he gets his stuff in a row, Sir Thorn will be leaving us, and will be becoming an npc wow he's already pretty much in retirement but yeah so and he's been playing since damn near the very beginning uh definitely yeah, within a I, month uh, yeah i've been talking to him about that uh, as well whether or not he should retire this character he's a really powerful character i mean being a cyber knight and then of course being a regenerative cyber knight and the fact that at that you know even had his hand lopped off by request to the gm which of course i did 
because I was jamming his group at the time. I could not believe that, but, you know, that's what he wanted. And he figured, you know, it would he regenerate. Asked? Yeah, yeah, he asked because it would regenerate in three months, which, of course, on EU means over a year of gameplay. So it would, it would hinder him, and that's really the key. He wanted some something to just, it, it felt to me like he wanted something more from his character. And so literally played that character as best as he could. And, of course, you know, what always got me was he walked in a room and he keeps on going, I am here to negotiate. Give me what I want. That's not negotiation. That's called threatening. <laughs> it's aggressive negotiation. And it doesn't work well with Naruni. I'm sorry. Oh, you're, a, you're a big old uh, cream puff GM, Tyree. I, blew, I blew the feet off of, his, off of Sir Thorn in the first adventure I took him on. Landmines are wonderful. Well, yes, they are. But, I mean, I mean, I was I was also a master at arms, so here I am. I'm the gatekeeper for all weapons, and I'm like, okay, how how can I be as cruel and vicious as I possibly can be, and make sure everybody knows that they just can't buy anything from here. And if they do, they're going to spend a lot of money because that's my directive from Lloyd, who says charge them as much as they are willing to give, and then charge them more. So yeah. I did. It's a it's a pull market, baby. It's a pull market. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Erica, do you have any other characters that you? you remember or want to talk about there? Well, let's see. Uh, I remember there was the character in your H, uh, HU Galactic, oddly enough, named Servo. I, I, I hate it, that I had fitting. to, I, I hate that I had to like pull out of that one because I, I was liking where it was going. I liked the character. There was the, there was the interim character between Al and Rufus, uh, the Rivendell kid, who I think your wife absolutely loved the name. No, I wait. I, and by loved, I said, I think she said the word stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's that's really about it. I, I I tend not to have a whole lot of of characters in quantity, but the, but the ones that I play, I tend to stick with. Yeah, I understand that. And you're the kind of player I really love because you keep my admin down to a minimum. Let's move on to Tyree. Tyree, tell us all your sins. Okay, my sins are, are vast and many. Basically, I started back on EU. I was uh, surfing the Megaverse boards, and and suddenly somebody posts up. We need a GM for Robotech. Over here on EU, our last one just went belly up. I, I start running this adventure over on other other side, the OW Other Worlds, and I'm running this thing. And, and during that time, I, I, I go, man, Lloyd, the, the message boards suck, and your hosting system sucks. And we all went over, and I, I convinced them to not only move the, to a different hosting environment, to also change the boards. And I became an admin, and I'm doing all this stuff, and... I think I've been, I was running for, as a GM for over a year at that point before I even had a character. And then Lloyd says, you need to create a character. You just gotta play. And I said, alright, alright. Come, come play over in the Roughnecks. Alright. And so I build me a Robotech character. Of course. Which, uh, of course, you know. And, and, and it's, it's Reaper. His real name is Clay Taurus, which of course is, so I have this guy and then of course I'm like, Lloyd goes, you need to get three insanities. Alright, let me, let me post some insanities up. Which ones that I, really would never want to play, but on the off chance, you know, be funny. And one of them is the love for Min May. <laughs> His amazing dying love for Min May. And of course, it went on beyond my, my even scope of, of, of reality of what I ever wanted this character to ever have. Made people believe that she that she is more powerful than a god, because her <laughs> voice alone could kill billions of people. So, yeah, yeah, you definitely took uh, his obsession with Min May <laughs> to the next level. He is not a fanboy. He is the god of fanboys. No, no he's a stalker. I actually I put put in there in his notes that you know he's been stalking Min May. He has a he has a uh, uh, restraining order. You know, all the good stuff. 
to his background with with information I add in add into gameplay, just so people would know that it's actually I'm keeping a tally on this. So remind me, uh, isn't there a uh, Minmay Amphitheater now in yep. Yorktown? Yeah, yes, it is. There, there from, is a Miss Minmay Amphitheater from the proceeds of uh, Reaper's uh, vast wealth through the years of gameplay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Um, and, and we're talking, you know, I've been playing him since like 2009. So, but just kind of give you a reference point of, of, of how long this character's uh, been in play, and I just recently retired him. At this point, I, I, I decided before I retired him, I was going to go hunt down somebody to make a robotic body to place this sword into so the sword can control the body of this robot. And, of course, it would look like Min Min. And, of course, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that means Reaper has a robot girlfriend that looks like Min Min. I ever ever actually accumulate 100 EP, Lloyd. You're gonna you're gonna hate me because I'm going to create a group that's based on Reaper, and it's going to be Reaper's Angels, and it's going to be Reaper and three Min Min robots, all fembots, you know, with the with the chest cannons and everything. And I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to convince some GM to run three fembots for my character along with the rest of the group. Okay, Erica, let, let me let me run this idea by you then. How about I install a 99 EP cap? You got to use it or lose it. Sounds good now, doesn't it? I I I'd almost be willing to donate EP towards that cause. <laughs> <laughs> I really would. Okay, so this has become a confessional. <laughs> well, and that's only my first character. Yeah, you know, I also have two other characters. I I mean, I'm not a big character Tell about creator. Them. Tell us about um, them. So I have uh, um, Jelena in HU2G. She's a pretty much a second-level character, fairly new. And uh, she's just a tech head, and she has absolutely no concept of, of war and, and war and, uh, and whatnot. And I'm learning about the HU2 Galactic campaign through her as a newbie would. So this way I, I would have – I have no knowledge, and, and on top of that, this character has absolutely no knowledge as well, which I think works very well. Right. Right. Uh, you know, she has actually some pretty good powers, which I, I thoroughly enjoy. She's she has a force field, so she can keep herself protected, and, and she's pretty damn good looking. So it makes all the other guys go, hmm, do we really want to shoot her? And then, of course, my third character, which is uh, Beckett. I, I did a, a play on uh, uh, Sam Sam Beckett from Quantum Leap, of course, you know. It's a great, great series. And, of course, I figured, you know, the daughter of Sam Beckett, which, of course, oddly enough, Robotech has a Samuel Beckett in it. And so I figured, and he's a scientist. Hey. This works really well, and of course, my character is you know from the Masters era, so she's a so she's a hover tank pilot, and she's uh, now in Phase World. So who knows what kind of mischief she can get into? I'm trying to get all the money I can to, to, to make more modifications. This character is always going to be running out of money because she there's just never enough to make modifications. <laughs> like the Borg that's obsessed with cybernetic, you have a uh, hole in the bottom of your pants pocket at all times where the money exactly. just falls out. So uh, I guess this really gets back to me, and I just only have the one character uh, at present. Uh, you know, I've previously played Flint in Phase World, but that was years ago. So they, you know, no real, no real fun in talking about a character that's been gone for over five years. I just have Jezebel in Explorers Incorporated. She is from the Heroes Unlimited Galactic universe, and she was actually a bit of the inspiration for that. I basically started them at near simultaneity. I, I had to I had to include in her background uh, tie-ins to the universe and its and its history. So she was uh, captured by Aetorians uh, during whatever that's in the future of the Galactic game. Still interrogated, rough style, and you know it didn't do her 
psyche very well. Let's just put it that way. You know, she ended up managing to escape, and she made her way to the Rifts universe through a... Uh, a portal in space yeah you know coming over here this all this insanity kind of drove her a little bit more crazy uh, coupled with her extremely low mental endurance so she's very weak willed although she puts on one hell of a good show so you know one of those uh, people who have that uh, strong outer facade but really they're very very damaged inside yeah that's her she's trying to be a badass uh, but i've been playing her since 2009 and unlike Reaper, I've had chintzy GMs, I guess. She's still only 6th level, and just recently she's making her way with uh, Explorers Inc. She's got a lot of psychological baggage, let's just say that. But you put her in a, any kind of uh, mecha or, or what have you, and she's a terror. I, I take offense about you calling uh, Reaper getting a lot more XP and not having a chintzy GM. I had you as a GM. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yep. the, only big thing, the only big reason why Reaper actually has so much XP is because I kept on doing things great for the site as an admin. That's and it. guess what? I got 5K in XP periodically because I did something cool, like in Solid Eye Roller. Yes. That was a big <laughs> windfall for you because you had earned that, sir. Uh, you, you installed the Die Rollers. That that was definitely worth it. If Had it been an EP system at, at that time, you would have gotten EP. But, uh, yeah, so uh, let's let's move along since we've all got to drone on about our, uh, our specific... Uh, particular indulgences there our characters let's take a look at the heroes for hire in specific and they've been touched upon a bunch uh so far heroes for hire you've you've all been part of you've gm'd it so and it's been around since the very beginning so it's had a long and varied history on eu they were the first they were the first group that formed you know they've been their very first adventure was to was an escort mission. There were just a couple of them. There, you know, there was four or five players. They had to escort a convoy to Laszlo from Murktown. And this is something that still to this day tickles my wife, who is in the group, and uh, Roneth. And uh, th- so they go through all these travails and challenges, getting this this convoy to Laszlo safely, and its cargo unmolested. And they arrive at the dock, finally, like two days later, and they're like, yeah, we got it here. The dockmaster unloads the cargo, and that's such a good job because the cargo is totally unmolested. He offers them a little bit of it, and it's a shipment of strawberries. <laughs> and so this this just brings, you know, the, the economics of that world into light, right? And at the same time, it's kind of... Thumbing your nose at the at the players, yeah, it's not something super important. It's strawberries, man. But this brings things into perspective, and uh, it was kind of low key, a little bit of humor at the end, bringing up that variety and the surprises. Always super important. Did that adventure predate Firefly? Yeah, totally. That, at least, because at least when, in my when, recollection, that was two thousand and five. The reason I ask is because when you said strawberries, I know exactly. It, it totally oh yeah, there. yeah. I didn't yes. make that connection of Kaylee, right? Where Shepard Book. You know, basically bought his way on board with the strawberry. Oh, so no, actually, this probably followed it. But I didn't get introduced to Firefly until like 2007 or 8 because my wife and I were on deployment in the Persian Gulf when that show was on the air. So we had no exposure. And, you know, being out in the middle of the Persian Gulf and, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away from people and, you know, email was, it existed, but it was a real pain in the butt to do out there at that time. You really had no contact with the the world. So once you got back stateside, it was like, what what did I miss? And we were out for a year on that one, Uh, 10 months actually. And that's, 
far in excess of the entire run of Firefly. Um, so, <laughs> and, and we just didn't even hear about it until this movie Serenity came out. And we're like, huh, what's that based off? OMG. And then we caught it on DVD, and it was super, yeah, we've been brown coats ever since. Yeah, I, I had no idea. So that was just a little bit of little bit of coincidence there. And it was, it was an interesting way to end an adventure, I'll say that. And I'm glad that that little tie-in's there. So in case somebody was familiar, I hope they got some pleasure out of that. Yeah, so that, that was the... That was like their very first adventure way in the past. And they've had a number of successive GMs since then, including myself. I seem to reprise the role every time they lose a GM due to life commitments or the GM, the player end up, ends up flaking or what have you. And uh, You know so, how many? Oh, God. I don't even know how many. At least half a dozen over the years. They've, they've had a lot of different GMs. Presently, uh, they're on a mission to deliver. Uh, once again, it's an escort mission. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I, I am a big believer in escort missions. Because it's like in a computer game. Where you hate those. You hate escort missions. Got to keep the NPC alive. No! Because it's always the worst. Well, this time, it, their cargo is a gal. And she is a... She is a, an information broker in, on contract with Triax, who they owe a substantial ton of money to for having looted their store during the uh, during Murktown's when they were under attack by the Demon Hordes. They looted Triax to defend the town <laughs> and kind of got in a little yes. trouble. So they have to. They, Triax is like, look, uh, yeah, we know the rationale and all that. Still, you did this, and some stuff's missing. Tell you what, why don't you just do this for us, and we'll, you know, we'll call it even, Stevens. So imagine that entire conversation with a German accent. So this this arrangement was made, and so they're supposed to escort this gal from Murktown, uh, where she uh, with this information, and they don't know what the information is, and they're supposed to get her all the way to Houston, where there's a uh, where there's an aircraft for retrieval back to the NGR, the debriefer, as it were. And, yeah, this is all going to tie in with Barracuda's background. They've had a lot of adventures in between. Uh, like I said, uh, they've tackled a dragon in service to Odin. They've been to Asgard. They've crossed the Rainbow Bridge, you know, a whole nine yards. They've, they've been comprised of a bunch of different characters in, in the past. Uh, who did you play with, Eric, when you, were, when you were Rampart? Belton and Ronith, of course. And Zoe was there for at least part of it. I got there right before Vishnu bowed out because he gave Rampart his Japanese particle beam gun. Right, and Vishnu was one of those original members. Uh, he was like a, a Heroes Unlimited convert yeah. uh, with a Divine Aura, so he had a bunch of like slack-jawed followers, which... It was an interesting oh, yeah. thing on the on the site. He basically controlled NPCs. That was his power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and my wife played Zoe. Uh, she was one of the original characters on site for a number of years. So yeah, there's there's a an interesting uh, variation of, of characters there. And uh, what about yourself, uh, Tyree? When you jammed there, who all was there? It was uh, see Ronis. Bone had left and came back, but. Oddly enough, it was like right in the middle. I, I didn't write him out, and he came back quick enough, even though the adventure had taken so long, um, that he actually didn't miss any game time. He just didn't wasn't in the in the in the warehouse when everything else went down. He was just kind of babysitting this girl in the, in the vehicle outside. So, <laughs> the classic just, role of the NPC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just so happened that's the way it happened. There was a I want to say Barracuda was there. A couple of. Uh, I'd have to take a look at all the characters that they currently have in their team. 
to, to say for sure. But it, it was it was definitely an interesting uh, um, allotment of people. One guy decided to create a new character in the midst of it all, and he basically wanted me to he wanted to have an out, and so he killed somebody like brutally. And of course, Ron said, "You're gone," which of course meant, meant he brought a new character in like that. So, <laughs> so. It all it all worked out. Out of the team that is actually there, um, it looks like it. Barracuda, Belton, and Roneth were the only ones who were in the list time I can think of. As I said, there was a uh, another guy who bowed out as an undead slayer. He, he left the game, and then of course another guy who flaked. I think he may have died. The actual person, I, I think that's the guy who died. Um, hmm. We haven't had many people die on site, so and I, of course I can't remember his name. This happens when a game when a when a website runs for ten plus years. Uh, people will just die. Then are in our age range for the people who who game. I mean. You're mm-hmm. talking on average, you have everybody's over the age of 35, and if not, they're very rare. So you're talking on average probably everybody between 40 and 45, if not a little bit on the higher end of gamers, and no no new blood for role-playing games. They're all going to video games. So, you know, the, the likelihood of finding new young gamers to come into the into the world is almost non-existent. Ah, it uh, it unless, happens course, more than you might think. It really does. But it's usually yeah, the word of mouth and friendship. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to also breed your own. I mean, that's really what it comes down yes, to. Yes, you, you do. Going back to your current adventure with Heroes for Hire, it reminds me of basically I'm the one that told Roneth that his team is a bunch of looters. I could not believe he had a, a robot at the time in there and who had no concept of morality. And I, and he was also the uh, GM of Blackstar. And he went in there and he started picking up anything he could use uh, to go fight demons. I'm like, this, this is just wrong. They're looting a store from Triax. And, and so I had, you know, this dwarf from another shop come by and start calling them looters. And poor Roneth, his honor, is like, I'm not looting myself, but the rest can loot. I'm okay with this. And I'm like, <laughs> you, you can't be okay with this. This isn't right. And so I made this big old sting, which of course, you know, is the reason why they're on this current mission. But was even worse is because of all that, Belton, you know, the, the, the lovely guy, he's the one that sent the email off to Triax and saying, hey, we looted your store for some goods and some armor because we're dealing with some demon monsters. I didn't care about that because poor Lloyd, you know, he, he altered my thought of how the store actually ran because the way I, I, I pictured the store, it's a franchise. So Triax actually has no stake in the store at all. So instead of having a stake in the store, it's some guy who goes periodically over to Triax and brings stuff in. And Triax doesn't even know he, he exists or even cares. So to me, even makes it even better is the fact that Belton <laughs> sent an email off to Triax saying, we did this horrible, heinous thing. And Triax going, oh, really? Yeah, I took Dear it Triax, a little different way. Dear Triax, we are sorry. very, very sorry. Yeah, I took it a little different way. Krauss Imported Arms is uh, their Triax retailer. So, you know, much like McDonald's is a franchise business. Uh, so is Triax in this regard. However, just like McDonald's franchises, you are answerable to corporate. They got standards, and you're using their name. So there you go. Besides, it's way more fun to get people globetrotting in the, in the world of riffs. Because, boy, that can be dangerous. Something that's come up a number of times now is Belton. And he's been on site for quite a while. I'd say most of the time he's been around. He's a very high-level mind melter. Very powerful. And what I think is my single greatest accomplishment as just kind of like a mentoring figure for the site is he recently picked up a GM spot. And hands down, and I I consider myself a very good writer. I, I know what my strengths and weaknesses are. 
and he is better than I am. He is a better writer. Uh, I don't know if now, he makes better adventures, because that's yet to be seen, but he is a very good writer. And well, he's and you, coming out. And you did something really cruel to him. You sat him with a wife. Yeah, that was a little bit of a have me having fun with him. But he rolled with it because this is just the amazing player that he is. Paul, that's Belton's player, he's like, oh, I did this faux pas, this like social faux pas. I gave this tremendous gift to the to this village elder in Norway. Scouts basically like a, I don't want to say like a mail order bride, but I mean, he, he bought her overseas basically. Did this social faux pas. He gave this, uh, this the leader of the of this uh, town a humongous gift, you know, a very uh, rare magic artifact. He was like, no, 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 just use it to keep the town safe. And they're like, yeah, in our custom, that means, you know, you got to get something in return and there's nothing we have to give because it's like a poor fishing village how about my daughter it was basically constrained by custom he's like okay <laughs> so there it is and i'm and i'm hitched i actually had to got to have a wedding in an adventure it was great fun my wife still to this day wants there to be a, a wedding in murktown like a formal proper wedding in murktown with all the groups invited and whatnot. I'm like, I don't know how we can pull that off, but that would be entertaining. I would love to see that. Yeah, see, right? I just don't know how to pull that off. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and I think if I brought it up and out of character, it might cause a stink. Uh, yeah, so th- there's a there's a very long history there, and I'm super glad he's a GM now, and I expect great things from him because he's a really good writer. And Explorers Inc. has four players, folks, so there's slots open. Let's take the the spotlight off of Heroes for Hire real quick. So let's let's bring it down to the ending spot of the Q&A. Any questions related to you, how it's run, real questions, EP-related issues, technical issues? We got the we got the man here. I got a question about EP, actually. Okay. What can we expect to see coming down the road? I mean, we've had, over the summer, we've had uh, create a villain, we've had create a weapon, we've had create an organization. What are we going to see coming forward? Uh, for the contests. Um, yeah, yeah. So I did, I did happen to mention briefly, uh, previously, uh, sh- some short story submissions. I'm thinking that right. that's one good thing uh, that we can uh, we can put out there because we have a lot of really talented and even more ambitious writers on site. So that's good. And I'm going to do that for November in, in, in coincidence with Nano Remo, the National uh, Writer Novel Month. So uh, that'll that's coming down the pike. In addition, I'm going to put forward. I don't know if I'm going to do it in some in a, as a bribe or as a contest. Haven't figured out yet. But I want some. I want to turn some of the adventures in the archives into narrative scripts, so that then we can turn those into narrated podcasts, little tiny audiobooks for people to enjoy. So, and that because it's that would have a bit more time and invest invested in it. That would be something people would have to pay for. But because that's our property, our intellectual property, and everything else to go in there. That's and that you know I took a poll on all that and that was something a fair number of people were cool with and funding so maybe I'll do it in instead of uh, through uh, like buying the podcast because that's kind of problematic maybe I'll do a GoFundMe kind of thing or some sort of crowdfunding for that um, I I figure uh, time wise I have it would depend on the length of the adventure because uh, I mean good lord uh, some of those things. Some of those adventures are short and probably shouldn't be all that much, but some of those could be quite long. And I have to bribe 
somebody like uh, good old Uncle Servo here with his amazing set of pipes uh, to do some uh, voice narration, and uh, or maybe they could be collaborative. I don't know, but that's that's another option out there. And uh, I, we've had a lot of fun EP contest wise with various types of items. The parkour related EP contest was fantastic and came out with some really cool submissions. So I might do something like that again. And themes are always good. They they usually produce some uh, really interesting content. And as always, you know, the, the contest winners get their stuff included as canon. That's a big draw. The the bonus EP is, does, doesn't hurt either. No, no, no. Uh, that, that has funded uh, no shortage of characters, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, there's a discussion going on right now about uh, pot- uh, potential new groups, if the, if the population can, can hold it. And you know what would it be that sort of thing? I- I'd like to know from both of you what kinds of concepts for groups would you like to see explored? Hmm. I think I'll let a uh, like I'll let Tyree field one, his answer to okay. that first. Ears just one of sort of strange concepts. I mean. Basically, it's a it's a merc group that you're at least the the, the merc town side of it, the the rift side of it. It's a merc group that you have to figure out and, and play with. So obviously, trying to do a sponsor group is a lot easier and get get a theme going. But you got players who are not necessarily into that theme, so you're going to end up with you know a non-themed group, no matter what you do, um, no matter how well you try it, unless you have a core group of players all joining in saying, this is the theme we want. And that's that's a really tough one. Uh, so basically, you're going to ba- you're gonna have an independent group, no matter how you do it. Because even if you want a sponsor group, it now requires EP to sponsor. So you have to get everybody to bump in some EP in order to get a 60 points for a sponsorship. So I, I, I feel you're no matter what you're going to do, is you're going to end up with a a uh, independent group at this point. So here's my two bits on that. Number one, EI, Explorers Inc., is the one that's closest to uh, really being on the cusp of, of changing. We've got a new GM. We've only got a handful of players. And I personally have enough to fund a group, a sponsored group, entirely on my own uh, as a player based on my playing and everything else. And as well as my EP earnings from uh, you know my GM ratings, um, and that's something I have put forward as a potential doable idea, especially if somebody wants to collaborate with me in that, pool their resources. But ultimately, that would just be kind of changing one group, and I don't know what kind of direction that would take. I think uh, the the exploring part of Explorers Inc. has has been very terrestrial because of its being sourced in Archie. So it's kind of been limited in that regard. However, there have been suggested ideas already in the thread. The EP contest that's being resolved right now, which I might add will, the results will be up in three days, that actually has three organizations, and any of those could easily become a group with the proper funding. Other than that, I, you know, I have no idea when it comes to an independent group. They run the gamut of flavors. Like Heroes for Hires, kind of Cyber Knight code and, you know, mer- basic mercenary. The Templar were, like, religiously... You were demon hunters. Yeah, yeah. You're demon hunting. You were like the, the freaking Knights Templar with a no warrior figure. ethic. Yeah, I know, right? You have the Roughnecks, which are just kind of a hard-bitten merc group. And you have the Spook Squad, which are definitely a hard-bitten merc group, but with kind of a more sinister edge, you will just say. They're being the only evil-aligned group on site. So, yeah, I mean, they, they really run the gamut, and there's a lot of uh, potential there. Nothing comes to mind. Like the the Warhawk group that used to be on the site. Right. 
uh, basically they weren't mercs so much as they were reporters. They were field reporters. That was a really interesting idea. Don't remember if I came up with it, but I'll take credit for it anyway. <laughs> and uh, you know, it just didn't really pan out. There was a, a little bit of a flaky issue. Uh, it was a great idea. I just don't know how. I think you would need a GM with a real vision. Yeah. And, uh, you uh, know, and dedication. It sounds actually more like a better for like an EP contest instead to have people narrate a reporter style log of a single Merc group. Let's say like Heroes for Hire or, or the Roughnecks and go through their adventure logs and actually do a news report and saying, I know the Roughnecks, they went off to uh, Calgary and they, dealt with uh, some demon spawn lady who basically framed him. Well, let's have a news reporter talk about that. Oh, and by the way, you're welcome for that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't even want to talk to you about that. <laughs> well, it was wonderful. I got to pinch a, a mind melter's arms off. It was fantastic. Yeah, that was one of my more epic uh, adventures. See, it's just that a flesh wound. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't really a dragon. So, again, still Heroes for Hire gets the, the claim to that. And I think that's a, that's a good idea. That can uh, that could potentially tie in with a like a short story theme, right? For for an EP contest, I thought, like that idea. You should post that as a as a as an idea, or send me a PM about that, so I don't forget. And he'll right. take credit for it. And I'll take credit of for it. <laughs> well, Lloyd, Lloyd's good at taking all my credit, you know. <laughs> Hail to the king, baby! You like that dice roller I installed? You're welcome. <laughs> I did it for you. So, uh, actually, my, my, my biggest question, and it, it's it's kind of directed to both of you, because more of Lloyd, because this is actually his, his category, is there any rule that we've posted that you really don't care for on EU? Any of the house rules? Mainly the fact that it didn't work the way you intended, and you want to change it, but you, because it's now written in stone... Here's the beauty of the house rules. Nothing is written in stone. It all comes down to what the community agrees to, and I moderate. It's a democratic process with the constitutional dictator at the top going, yeah, that just won't work, guys. That's a great idea. But I don't even normally have to do that because I can just make the rational argument and go, this is how it plays out. This is how it doesn't work. Let's try another idea. I'd say the only thing I don't like that I can think of right off the top of my head is that, uh, and it's really not the fault of the community or anything, um, although they helped cobble these uh, the rules together, is it that for the dual classing? Honestly, that's systematic. Dual classing in Palladium is highly problematic. It's kind of schizophrenic, doesn't make a ton of sense. And, you know, we did the best we could with it. And I don't like it because there's just too many irrational exemptions like, okay, so you want a dual class or maybe you don't want to go dual class, but you want to get full board conversion. So why did you have to dual class? Because palladium. Damn it. There's just a, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that just, it's just not satisfying about it in that regard. But there's no single rule I'm, I'm really disappointed with. Uh, archery mastery. I thought that came out a, a little weird but serviceable. Not a lot that's wrong with the rules that I think uh, needs fixing, but you know, I leave that up primarily to the community. And when, uh, wrinkles are, when wrinkles arise, as they inevitably do, in such a complicated and archaic system like Palladium, you know, we iron them out as best we can. And sometimes we cause a crease. But we are running out of time here, so if anybody has any last comments, uh, this would be a good time to shoot them out. The one thing I don't really care for is our learning magic system. I mean, it, it's it's okay, but it, it's one of those things that it basically made a lot of people upset at the time when it was implemented and made people actually want to drop 
certain characters. Now, mind you, I really didn't care for their characters. I didn't care for how they argued their points and therefore tough titties to them. But uh, that's kind of how I felt to them was one of those ways. I'm sorry. I didn't implement the system. You did. So. Yeah. Magic is a magic's a particularly strange kind of a aspect of Rift and in that it's, you know, it's like points pool-based. Your ammo is your PPE, and there are certain classes that learn it, and some are bestowed. That's actually very consistent from Heroes Unlimited, which is how you can know that this is a kit-bashed world system and everything. It doesn't apply to the to the warlocks out there. It doesn't apply to the fusionists. There's some it just doesn't apply to, and to the all the other classical wizards. You know, uh, there's hey, you want to learn a spell? Cool. There's time and money that are going to be invested because you got to learn it. Or you can find a super incredibly rare spell scroll and roll the dice and see. And that's also what got the whole conversation started regarding the when EP was developed about potentially applying EP to items. And that that discussion lasted a good long time due to its importance in the game. But thankfully, I, and I think I think appropriately, it got uh, shit-canned because that was just too complex and too much legwork and potentially kind of limiting. I, I have no problem with the, the spell acquisition rules as, as they are. For, for learning because Rufus just came in and learned about three of them. He had to, he, he spent the EP points for it, played it out. He, he was basically a, a living, breathing exhibit for a class. He just had to stand there and be pretty much like a prop for for the for about three hours. And then the wizard said, "You know, hey, I'll I'll teach you these spells if you like. If you're like my my uh, my show and tell exhibit for class tonight." <laughs> So, did you do nude art display? Or were you a? Or did, did you? A, well, you know, he's got like an eighteen physical beauty. Oh wow, that's a handsome. So that's you know, a handsome he, coyote. He's a furry Adonis. That's <laughs> what he is. Well, well, well Servo, you know, the, this the, the where I'm talking is be prior to EP. We actually still have the rules, so you can do spell magic yeah. learning prior without using EP. And that, you know, through, through training and trade and, and cost as well. So this, I mean, the EP is, makes it a whole lot simpler. Yes. But. You have to earn it, though. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Which is why. The I only really spellcaster I played prior to, to Rufus was Al. And that was that was his power. He just, he, he, when he when he achieved a new level, he just knew all that level spells. Yep. So it was. You're, you were bestowed your gifts by your pantheon. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he, he he didn't have to learn anything. He just knew it. It's been an interesting ride. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. And Eric, wonderful pipes. I hope to employ you in, as, a, as a voiceover narrator. <laughs> Hopefully we can get it. You can use this potentially as part of your portfolio in the future and be like, look, listen to these great pipes of mine. And hopefully, folks, you, you understand that my own pipes are not that bad. I just come across really high-pitched sounding in podcasts, I've noticed. It's much deeper. Uh, you're fine. Not the deep pipes of Eric, of course. Uncle Servo has the deep bass. Oh, your voice is quite fine. It's, it's very melodious. It's not high-pitched at all. <laughs> and that's it for the second episode of Radio Free Merktown. Thanks for tuning in. I'm TGM. I'm Tyree. And I'm Servo. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.